This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. You know, I think about a husband-wife marriage that, uh, you know, it takes two, and no matter how committed and how much in love one of them is, if the other was not and chooses to go the other way, there's nothing you can do about it. The same thing with God. You know, I was thinking, if, well, by the way, if you need an outline, hold up your hand, and we'll give you an outline. If anybody needs an outline, hold up your hand, and got sermon outlines coming. But I was thinking, when the Lord gave me this sermon that Dad wrote it out, I was thinking about uh, our church. I've been here 13 years, and I would have to say, if all the believers that got born again here are the ones that were here, the ones that have been here over the years that were red hot for Jesus, coming in, jumping up and down, dancing, shouting, testifying, we're here today, we'd have to have another building. The building wouldn't contain them. You know, during the course of a year's time, you know, maybe you don't notice as much as leadership does in pastors, you'd be totally shocked how many people are absolutely sold out to Jesus. They mean with all their hearts. And after a few months, where are they? What'd they do? They didn't change churches. They just went back to back to the world and doing the things they used to do. And so anyway, as a pastor, my heart's desire, my goal is to show you things of the Word of God and of course always pray for you, but to see a whole lot less backsliding this year than we have before. See a whole lot less uh, people going back to the world. And you have to understand we're in a spiritual warfare. You know, I don't think I don't think Christians are really aware of how much the devil wants you back. He wants you back on his side, living for him. Because if you're not red hot for Jesus anymore, then guess what? There's no in-between. <laughs> Amen. You're either on fire for Jesus or you're living for the devil. And if you're living for the devil, you can't help much people. You're the one that needs help all the time. You're whining all the time. You're crying all the time. You're depressed and you're messed up all the time. But when you stay hooked up with Jesus, you're helping somebody else. Amen. I, I, I remember when I first got saved, I heard things like this from people that, uh, of course, I was a new Christian. I knew nothing about anything. But I started going to church and people that I'd met that just regular sinners like I was before I got saved, they'd make statements like this. Well, I'm just religious. You are. And I'd never have to go to church. I'd hear things like that from people. Well, what do you have to go to church for? I never have to go to church. Well, you don't have to go to church to go to heaven. You get born again. But if you're going to be very productive for Jesus on earth, you better go to church. You want to learn? You want to hang out with other Christians? You need you need to find out what God has to say to you through the Holy Spirit, through preachers, and through other Christians, and things like that. You get strength, you fellowship, and you come into church. You get you get washed by the Word of God. It changes your life. And so, yeah, you can go to heaven without going to church, but you're not going to be very helpful to anybody else if you don't go to church. What's that verse we got for the year? It says, don't be like the rest of them. It said, man, come to church. Do what you're supposed to do anyway. We're going to be talking about today about how to put God first place in your life. How to put God first place in your life. And we're going to start off with Matthew chapter 6. And going to be in Matthew chapter 6 for a little bit. But, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I just... Think about it, that I've, I've been 
serving God for nearly four decades, almost 40 years, be 39 years uh, in a couple of weeks that I gave my heart to Jesus. And most of that time I've been in, in Christian service, pastoring, teaching, leading the body of Christ. And it's, it's such a sad thing, such a sad thing of the people that tasted the goodness of God. That for whatever reason, they quit living for God. And you know, I just, I just really determined that I'm going to do my best this year. I, I mean, I always do, but do my best this year to show you and inspire you how to not quit and give up and go back the other way, but stay doing what you're doing now. So anyway, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Jesus said this, No man or no woman can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or unless he will hold to the one, or that, that is be loyal to the one, and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, or in other ways, you can't serve God and money. You can't serve God and riches. And so Jesus knows that we need money to survive in this world. He knows that. But money is to serve us and meet our needs, but not to control our decisions in serving God. But not to control our decisions in serving God. Uh, that, that verse that Pastor Dave shared from Psalm 78, verse 21, in the New Living Translation, I wrote that down. And this is too many Christians. They did not believe God or trust Him to care for them. They did not believe God or trust Him to care for them. And you know, I just, uh, the story that I tell sometimes, because it's really a part of my life, I, I, when I I was 28 and a half years old, about this time in 1980, I found out God was real. And you know, that's kind of hard to believe somebody be 28 and a half years old, not really, uh, know about Jesus or anything like that. I did go to Sunday school when I was a boy to the Baptist church with my grandma, and I got saved for a little while and said, but then for a lot of years, I was just a man. If there's anything is a good sinner, I was a good sinner. And by good sinner, I mean, man, I sinned good. Did, did a lot of things that sinners do. I mean, fish swim, birds fly. Amen. Uh, bears hibernate in the wintertime. People do what's inside of them. Animals do what's inside of them. Christians should go to church. Christians should try to live right, but sinners sin. And so since I was a sinner, I sinned. I did a lot of things, but I found out that God was real. And when I found out that God was real, I went all the way. I thought, what is there to go back to? There's nothing to go back to. So I jumped in. Almost 39 years ago, and I've stuck with it, but I cannot tell you the amount of preachers that I know that don't even live a Christian life now. They got tired of it, fed up, went there the way it did things. And the amount of Christians that at one point in time were workers in churches, leaders in churches, and did a lot of things, went back the other way. God wants us to be faithful to Him. God wants us to be loyal to Him. And one thing I've learned about Jesus, about God my Father over all these years, He never, ever, ever, ever asked us to do anything that's not for our benefit. Everything that the Bible tells Christians to do is not to make life hard, but to make life better. And all it takes at our end, He's a faith God. 
All it takes is faith. And faith comes by hearing the word of God. But faith in God simply means that although you can't see him, you believe he's there. And when you read the Bible or hear the, what Bible taught and you see the scriptures and you know that's God talking, then you just take it at face value and say, okay, that's what God said to do. I'll do that. He said to forgive others. Then with his help, I'm going to forgive others. He said to go the extra mile. That I'm going to do more than expected of me. Amen. He said to give. So I'm going to be a giver. He said to serve others. So with his help, I'm going to serve others. There's so many things the Bible says to do, but all those things are from God to help bless you and make your life better and help other people as we go. And so he said, you can't serve, you can't serve God and money. And so the story I was thinking about, I, I, I got born again in 1980. But by the time 1985 rolled around, uh, we were having some tough financial times. I was a truck driver, and truck, truck, the trucking industry got hit really bad in the early 1980s. And so uh, it was hard to get a good job. I was a Teamster, and Teamsters got paid a lot more money than non-union drivers. And so it was really hard to get a union job. And so finally, in 1985, this company was hiring. So when I was working for them as a part-time employee, they, they had me driving days every day, which was really good, working Monday through Friday, driving days. And so they put me on probation to give me a union job. And, man, you couldn't buy them back then. It was really good to get a job. And so the day I come off probation, got my 30th day in, or the company walks out and shakes my hand and said, it said, welcome to our company. We're glad to have you. By the way, now that you're on the seniority list, you go to the bottom, said your hours will be, uh, I think it was like Tuesday through Saturday or something like that, at 5 o'clock at night to the wee hours of the morning. And when the guy said that, I kind of let loose of his head. I felt like talking to Mr. Potter on his wonderful life. I thought, man, this is no good. At that time, I had one, two, three, four, five, six kids. And I know the Bible teaches me very, very plainly. I'm to train them up the way they should go. And so I knew the number one thing, I had to have spiritual leadership. Well, if my kids were in school all day long, and I left at 5 o'clock, and I went to bed the wee hours of the morning. Number one, they wouldn't see me. I'd never again be in a Wednesday night service. I couldn't come to church on Sunday. And so I knew I knew that providing for my kids was much more than a paycheck, put food on the table, and have a house to live in. And I knew the number one thing was that my kids had to have dad available at least sometime to take him to church. Et cetera, et cetera. And I knew from my own life, I knew from my own life that to live for Jesus at that point in time, five years already, I knew that that old sinful nature I used to have, if I didn't go to church consistently, be under the anointing, under the Word of God, fellowship with other Christians, I did not know how long I could last spiritually to stay fired up for Jesus. So this man, when he was telling me that, I took my hand out of his, and his name was Cook. I said, Mr. Cook, I said, I'm sorry you spent all that money on me for all the tests and stuff and all the things you did, but I have to resign right now. I said, I can't take your job. He said, why not? And I said, well, the number one thing in life that I'm called to do is take care of my family. And that means, first of all, i got to be with them take care of them. And I said, if I take this job, I won't see my family. I won't know my kids. I said, then I'm a Christian, and because of that, 
I need to go to church. And I said, you got me working Sundays, got me working Wednesdays. And so I would lose everything I believe in in life. And so I said, I can take better care of my family by not working for you than I can by working for you. And so I walked away right then. I made the choice because that, that was what it's about. And so anyway, man, I bet, I bet God really blessed you, didn't he? Well, we barely made it for a long time, but God took care of us. We barely made it, but then over the course of time, I started getting back on my feet again financially through better jobs and stuff like that. But the thing is, my kids serve Jesus. My kids are in the ministry. My kids have a great life compared to what they could have been if I would have backslid and went back to where I used to live because I got a lot of brothers and sisters, my family and things like that. And the success story is not the same for most of my family because they don't serve God yet. Amen. And so what I'm telling you is this. God said you can't serve God and money. He didn't say you can't have money. He said, but you can't tell money, tell you how much you can serve God. And so if I would have let that job that had good paid benefits tell me, I'm going to be your God now. You will serve me on Wednesday nights. You won't go to church. You will serve me on Sunday morning. You won't go to church. You will serve me when your kids have ball games. You won't get to raise your kids. You will be with me all the time because I'm going to be your God now. I said, no money. You're not going to be my God. You're not going to tell me what to do. Somebody said, well, I don't know if I could do that or not. Well, when you fall in love with Jesus, like that song we sang a while ago, and let Jesus be Lord of your life, you know a temporary blessing financially is not worth a long-term failure. Amen. And it sure got quiet in this Presbyterian church. Well, hey, I'm supposed to be a Bible example of you about how to follow the Bible, about how to live for God. And I don't know any better better example of some things in life than myself because I know me better than I do anybody else. And so my stories about me are better than somebody else's stories because they're real. And I lived them. And life is all about choices. And you got to make choices and they're not always easy choices. And sometimes the choices you make cost you for a while. But praise God, the benefits are awesome. You know, I think about, though I don't want to talk about a whole lot about that, but my wife and I just bought a 10-acre ranch farm place with a great big lake. That's not a shared lake, it's a private lake, it's our lake. Full of big fish and all kinds of wildlife. My wife's a horse person. We got a horse arena. We got a radio, a rodeo arena right on our property. We got a pistachio orchard. We got lots of stuff there as practically paid for. It's almost paid for. That paid cash for the whole thing. And that's, that's serving God. And all the money wasn't from the church. We got an inheritance, had some money saved up, sold a house and stuff like that. And so what I'm saying is this, those poor days we had that seemed like they'd never end, we had the love of Jesus, we had the blessing of God, Etc. So those poor days are so far behind us that it's like they never happened. But praise God, the thing is, Jesus told us what you sow is what you reap. So we sowed our life into the kingdom of God, serving God, and now here we are a little further down in life, exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. And you know, I don't even want to talk about something like 
that place we just got, like we're bragging because we're not. I'm just saying we paid a price in serving God and made choices, decisions every step of the way. That money was never going to tell us what we could do for God. Lack of money or abundance of money because it works both ways. Hey, man, somebody give the Lord praise. I think that's a good testimony. And so we must not elect, we must not allow money to tell us what we can do. Lack of money to tell you you can't serve God or people get too much money and they want more. They go hog wild. They don't serve God because they got too much money. We got to make the choice that God's number one no matter what. Amen. Amen. And so Jesus said, Jesus said, you can't serve them both. You serve one to the other. Money is supposed to serve us. We're not supposed to serve money. Money's supposed to meet our needs. We're not supposed to chase money. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. He said, therefore, I say unto you, and I want to read these verses right here and listen to this. He said, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought, or uh, Greek says, do not worry. Do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than food? And the body than clothing? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Now look at this. It says, Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Think about that. Jesus said that God's the one that feeds the birds. God's the one that takes care of nature. And said, Aren't you better than nature? Aren't you better than animals? That's what Jesus said. Which of you, by taking thought, or we could say worrying, can add one cubit to a stature. He says, in other words, if you worry, is that going to make you get any taller? And why take you thought or why worry for clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. And so he says that God makes the earth beautiful. You know, we all talk about how beautiful nature is. Well, it says God did that. God's the one that did that. And how much more is he going to take care of what you wear and how you look? He says, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? And he said, O ye of little faith. And you know, I think about that verse that Pastor Dave said again, where, where, where he said, they did not believe God or trust him to care for them. This is Jesus talking from the Holy Bible, telling Christians all these examples and said, you've got little faith if you think you have to leave God to chase money to try to meet your needs. Amen. I want to say that again. Jesus said, you don't have to walk away from God. You don't have to walk away from church for God to take care of you. You just have to make the choice you're going to serve God first. He said, God will take care of you. He said, look around how he takes care of the nature around us and says, if God's going to take care of that, he says, don't you think he's going to take care of you? And you know, I know we as Christians, maybe we don't stop to really think that Jesus is real and the Bible's true. And that's Jesus Christ, the risen Son of God, our Savior, our Lord, talking to us. And he's telling us, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your material needs. 
says God loves you more than he loves cows. Oh, that's another story. Oh, boy, the cows. Oh, boy, I don't have time to tell that one. Boy, that's a bad one. And back in those layoff days and first married and got kids and got laid off from the job I'd had, the trucking job I had when I was 18 years old, got a Teamsters job, a really good job. Companies got hit. My company went out of business, been in business since the early 1900s. And I just had a brand new car I bought. It was on payment through the company credit union. All of a sudden, no job. And it turns out that was a lemon year on that car. So I got a new car sitting there for blown engine. And we lived in the middle of, uh, how many cows did that guy have? I don't know, man, about a thousand cows. I've lived in this rental house middle of all these cows. And every day, I'd look out there. That car broke down sitting in the yard. I couldn't drive. I couldn't get a job. I see those cows walk up and eat every day. That farmer would feed those cows. And I hear the devil say, the cows eat better than you. And I look at those cows. I say, God, look at that. Those cows are going to be on the Big Mac down at McDonald's pretty soon. Look at them. They're taken care of. I went through that every day for a while. And finally, I was able to get my faith to get, get a hold of that. So I quit getting all upset about the cows eating. But God took care of our family. came out of that. But the whole thing was, I mean, can you imagine that? Look at a new car sitting there and you can't fix it, but you got to pay for it. But you don't have any income to pay for it. And you're serving God. We stayed serving God. Everything that came in, we tithed off of. Everything got, we, God got 10% off everything we did. Ended up coming out on top. But boy, I got tired of looking at those old cows. What'd you say? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, he says in Deuteronomy 28 that that's a curse that if you don't serve God and try to serve those other things, then poverty and lack is going to come on you. And we're redeemed from that curse. Amen. That's so in verse 25 to 30, when Jesus told us all these things about our loving Father, to paraphrase it, Jesus said, God's a good Father, and it's God's will and His plan, it's God's will and His plan to meet all of your material needs. It's God's will and God's plan. And you know, think about this. You know, if you're Christians that read the Bible, you know that he said in multiple places, it's not God's will that he should perish, but there should all come repentance. God's the one that said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God's the one that said, preach the gospel to every creature. So there's millions of human beings that have heard the gospel and they're not saved. You know why they chose not to believe and act on what they heard preached. And so once you're a Christian... And you hear the good news of what God wants you to do so he can abundantly supply your needs. If you don't do it, that doesn't change the will of God. The will of God is God said, I want to take care of you. It's my plan to take care of you. I want your family to do good. I want you to prosper and be in health. I want your family to financially succeed. I want material needs met. But there's some things I want you to do to line up with my word, to walk with me. Amen. And so, your life does not determine the will of God. The Word of God tells you how to live your life so you can enjoy the best of the will of God. And so, God wants to take care of all your material needs, housing, transportation, education, food, clothing, vacation, recreation, whatever it takes for you to live a good life on this earth, 
God says, it's my will, it's my plan. He says, look at the birds. Look at the flowers. Look at nature, how good I do for them. How much more do I love you than I love trees? How much more do I love you than I love whales? God's the one that made them all. And so he loves them all. But he says, human beings have a spirit and have a soul. And when they die, they're going to go somewhere. And I want them to go to heaven. When trees die, they get cut up for firewood, make houses out of them or something else. But when people die, they live on forever. And so God wants people blessed. We're his sons. We're his daughters. Can you see that? But he tells us, look at his nature, how good he takes care of that. So that I want you to notice then, in verse 31, says this, Therefore, take no thought or do not worry, saying. Now, I circled that word saying because that's the key. That's, that's the key to this entire verse is saying. And so remember that Jesus told us in Mark eleven twenty three, we'll have whatsoever we saith. He said, so when worry tries to hit you, worry is fear of the future. Worry is believing that the worst is going to happen. Worry is the opposite of faith. Faith is believing that Jesus will do what he said he would do. Fear is believing that what the devil said he's going to do, he's going to get by with and do in your life. And so Jesus said, take no thought saying. In Mark eleven twenty three, he said, one of the ways that faith works is you'll have whatsoever you saith. And so that's why Jesus said, when worry hits, he said, don't speak it out. Amen. When worry hits, he said, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? We're going to be clothed. They're going to shut the lights off. They're going to take the car. I'm going to get laid off. We're going to lose the house. When all those things begin to happen to you, you've got to quote Bible verses that you know. With thoughts of doubt of God's faithfulness hit your mind, you must open your mouth and quote God's promises. You must open your mouth. Replace those negative thoughts with God's promises, what God said. Because Jesus said, you'll have whatsoever you saith. And so I think about, I think about, I know that my life, through hard times, bad times, I always go back to Malachi chapter 3, Tithers rights. When stuff tried to hit us, matter of fact, we had a challenge this week. Had to put out thousands of dollars on a project. God gave me the money and I paid for it. But the whole time through it, I said, Malachi chapter 3, I said, Lord, you said, I live under open windows of heaven. You said, you're built to devour for my sake. You said, people see me and call me blessed. I could have, with my list of the thoughts hit my head, I could have spoke about and said, well, I guess God's not coming through this time. I guess it's over. I guess he really don't care. Well, I don't think it's going to work. Well, I knew it was too good to be true. Well, you know what? We just made the last payment. Now it'll break. We had that warranty for years. 
Quit paying that warranty. That means it'll go out next week. How many of you ever noticed you say those things and what you said comes to pass? Jesus said you'll have whatsoever you saith. And so you begin to speak those negative thoughts that hit your head. They come to pass. You have to train yourself. Jesus said, don't worry and take those anxious thoughts saying. You know, Brother Hagin used to say this. You can't stop the birds from flying over your head. You can't stop them from building a nest. Amen. Amen. Just because things come, don't mean you have to let them camp out there. You need to learn to do what Jesus said. He said, don't take that thought. He said, don't take it. Second Corinthians chapter 10 says, casting down thoughts and imaginations at every high thing that exalts itself against the word of God. And bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of the word. You've got to train yourself. You've got to learn Bible verses. You've got to obey those verses. You've got to do those verses. And then when the bad things try to come and stuff out your life or whatever it is, health-wise, financial rise, family, job, whatever it is, when those worry thoughts come, think about this again. Faith is simply believing that God's going to do what he's able to do about your future. Worry is having fear that what Satan said he's going to do is going to come to pass. And so you just got to turn that around instead of having faith in the devil and say what he says. Start having faith in God and say what he says. That's just so simple. But think about this. If there weren't an enemy, you'd have no pressure to quit. You know, I, th- I think about when I was a sinner and I was a boozer and all those other things. There wasn't any resistance trying to stop me from partying and boozing and stuff like that because I do what the devil wanted me to do. I never had any pressure until I quit doing those things. And then the pressure came when Sunday morning came to go to church. Pressure came on Wednesdays. And you know what I've noticed about Christians? And even about my own life, if it's a ball game on Wednesday night, that's going to last till 10, 30, or 11 o'clock, people don't worry about the kids at school. They don't worry about getting up for the job the next morning. That's a ball game. Well, there's no resistance on your flesh about going to that ball game and having a good time. But I'll tell you what, just think about it. You got off work on uh, early on Wednesday, say you got off at 4 o'clock, church starts at 7 Think, oh man, we gotta get the kids to bed. We gotta get the kids to bed. Man, they gotta go to bed. Somebody calls, hey, guess what? We got five tickets. And you got three kids and you two? Let's go to the ball game. Hey, guess what? School doesn't matter now. We're gonna call school tomorrow and tell the kids they're out today. Why is that? Well, we decided to serve the basketball god last night. Oh, I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Isn't that how it goes, though? You have to make the choices what's going to be important in your life. And so anyway, you must open your mouth, quote God's promises when the attacks come on your mind. Verse 32. Now, notice this in verse 32. He said, for after all these things, all the material things you need, 
transportation needs, clothing needs, housing needs, food, whatever it is, after all these things do the Gentiles seek. That word Gentiles in this context simply means non-covenant people. They're not walking in a covenant with God. Well, see, through the blood of Jesus, we have a covenant with God. People that don't know about their covenant, people that are ignorant of their covenant, they're going to think that all the things of the world is what's going to give them success. They're going to think that the answer to everything is money. They're going to think the only way to get money is work more, work more, work more. But Jesus is telling us something different here. He said, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. People that don't know God put money and material things first on their agenda of priorities. Number one thing is more money, more money, more money. And you know, the other work thing, I've seen two sides of that coin in Christians' lives too. You got the flake Christians that think they don't have to work. That think, I'll just believe God. And so they just sit home and do nothing, just pray and read their Bibles all day. And think God's going to take care of it. Well, Paul said in Thessalonians, he said a man that doesn't work to take care of his family is worse than an infidel. He said, you don't work, you don't eat. And people find that out. So there's two sides. There's a balance in this, what Jesus is saying. There's a balance. you got to put God first. And then God will take care of the work in the way that it doesn't steal your time from being able to serve Him too. That's the way it works. And so you don't become a workaholic where it's all you do is work, 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 work. And you know what? How many workaholics do most of us know that don't have a family now? I mean, in my family, I've had workaholics. I've known lots of Christian workaholics to where all of a sudden the wife decided that the husband she never saw but saw his money, she'd be better off to have a husband that she saw and still get the other guy's money. Hey, we all know people like that, that they didn't, they had a, they had a man that was a good provider, except he wasn't a good companion. Because he was married to money and jobs. As so all of a sudden you got the guy next door, or the guy she met, and he's a good companion. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so what am I saying? I'm saying, God has a balance called the middle of the road. You can do things God's way and be spiritual, but still have the financial blessing. Amen. Amen or oh me. Amen. Somebody clap if you want to. I, I thought that was a pretty good example because we see it every day. We can have both. And so anyway, Jesus said, that your father knows you have need of these things. He said, don't be like the unsaved people. said, they chase after these things and think these things are going to give them happiness. But then he tells us what to do. He says, instead of being like the unsaved world that chases after the things, he said, seek ye first. I circled first. Because that's a priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be taken away from you. All these things, what? Shall be added. 
And then, you know, I think about religious people. You know, the ones that lick their chops and mm, what that literally means is this. All those things. Well, sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says, it's not my will today. Well, I think what it literally says is this. Put God first and God will give you everything you need. Isn't that what he said? Religious people say, well, you know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, the thief come to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, I come to give life more abundantly. So we have to understand. I think about that word God gave you at the start of the service. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake, nor forsake you. He said, but don't leave me or forsake me either because that will be bad for you. Hey, man, we got to stick with the program, stick with Jesus. So he said, seek ye first. Put God first, his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. Shall be added. Added unto you. And, you know, I think about the moving process we've been in for the last few months, man, doing all this stuff here. I got so much stuff I've given away. So much stuff we've given to people. Stuff we've given to the secondhand stores and stuff like that. I still got so much stuff. I got a lot of stuff that added to me over the years. I think about the house I owned in Barstow for years. I had a next door neighbor that was a mechanic out the Marine base and, uh, he likes to buy tools. I like to buy tools. And so I had all my tools. I've been buying and all the time that guy buy new tools, come over to me and give, give me his tools. And so I got double, three times power tools and all kinds of tools and stuff I need. So I give them something to my kids and stuff like that. I still got tools and tools and tools and tools. They were added to me, added to me all the time, added to me. Clothes. I mean, church people, family people, other people buy me clothes all the time. I get stuff added to me all the time that I don't have to buy because Jesus said, put me first, I'll add them. So I got stuff added to me all the time, added to me. I think about those poor days. I think about back in the early 1980s. We lived on an 80-acre farm in Noblesville, Indiana. And I'll never forget it. I was laid off, getting a little bit of work, not much work. It was winter time. I remember that winter we had snow piled up about eight foot tall. And we were we were even snowed in for a whole week because the snow plow couldn't even touch the road. We were snowed in, had no money, bad year. But I remember, I remember we were praying and believing God to have gifts for our kids for Christmas. And one day, this lady, we didn't know that she was the mother of somebody that she vaguely knew from the past, comes knocking on our door and says something like this. I hope you don't get offended, but I'd like to take care of your family for Christmas. And so all I could think was, my name is Jimmy, I'll take all you give me. <laughs> and so this woman didn't cost us anything except for our life, being sold out to Jesus. Didn't cost us any money. She gave gifts and clothing for all the kids, for me and her, all of us, just our sizes, Brand new stuff that this lady bought. Toys, clothing, all kinds of things, personal things that we would use, that we would like. How do you think that happened? But seek ye first the kingdom of God, His righteousness. And all these things, you'll have to work your buns off. 
If you were, if you worked day and night and seven days a week and ten hours a day, maybe you might have enough to have some Christmas. If you go out to get a 21% charge card, maybe you might have enough for Christmas. We didn't do that. We just followed Jesus. Had a stranger knocked on the door. Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, I was a stranger and you visited me. Well, guess what? We were strangers and he visited us through this lady. I came to care of our family. What am I doing? I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is real. God, our Father, is real. He knows who you are. He knows where you live at. I remember one time back in, oh boy, about the mid-90s, we were pastoring back in Indiana, and uh, I never ever had staff meetings at my house, especially never had one on a Sunday. But I'll never forget it. We had to have some kind of a special meeting for something, and we lived on Pumpkin Vine Hill Road. And that was very descriptive of where we lived out, on Pumpkin Vine Hill Road. We lived up in the woods of Hillbilly County. <laughs> Morgan County, but it was Hillbilly County. In Martinsville, Indiana, Pumpkin Vine Hill Road. You know, I would, I would, before I bought that house, I went up down that road for years. I didn't know there was a road there. All of a sudden, there's a break in the woods, and you see, well, there, when we, that house come over sell, we had to find Pumpkin Vine Hill Road. We passed it all the time. But anyway, it went up this, we don't have mountains there, we got big hills. And so this thing just goes, twirls way up like that, just twists like that to go up. We had a house there, and we were all, back in those days, we were on TV twice a week. And I was sitting there on a Sunday afternoon, had my staff at my house. We were having a, having a meeting. And all of a sudden, somebody's knocking on the door. And I said, tell them to go away. Who is that? And so one of my leaders went to the door and answered the door and said, it's some man or woman said they need to see you. I said, who are they? He said, they watch you on TV. I said, okay. So this man and woman come in. And the guy said, we're from Indianapolis. And said, I go to the Baptist church. My wife goes to the Catholic church. But we watch you on TV. And God told us to bring you some money. Only God can find Pumpkin Vine Hill Road. <laughs> you know, I don't think Google knows where it's at. <laughs> and so anyway, anyway, the, came in there. And the guy starts putting $100 bills on my table. Just throwing $100 bills down there. And he's Baptist. His wife's Catholic. And they watch us on TV. And so he says, I bet you know what this is for, don't you? I started to say I don't, but as soon as I started to say that, then the Lord showed me a missionary over in Siberia that had a sick son that they were believing for a battleback helicopter to get their son out of there. And so it was, it was Liz and Dana and I, you guys know the missionaries. Anyway, it was, it was their son. And so as soon as said that, I knew that because we were at the network we were in was doing everything we could to get money over there quick to get that sick baby out of there. And so anyway, I said that. I said, yeah, I know exactly what it's for. And so we took that best admission. What I'm saying is this. God knows who you are. He knows how to get it to you. Even if he has to talk to a Baptist Catholic couple to find you out in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, to get it. To Siberia, Russia. God knows how to do that. And so think about that. God 
knows who you are. Jesus said your father knows what you have need of. But he said this. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Well, you know how a lot of Christians read, read, read that verse? And I can say this because I watch them. If you get time, go to church. If it doesn't fit in, then do something else. That's not what Jesus said. He said, hook up. He said, first of all, schedule around me and I'll take care of thee. (laughs) Amen. And so, verse 33, I want to say this. God has a better way. It's called the faith way. What's what's the faith way? What we're talking about is just simply this. If Jesus said it, just do it. That's called faith in God. If Jesus said it, do it. Put serving God as your number one priority in life. He will make sure everything you'll ever need will show up in your house. Put serving God as your number one priority. As your number one priority. And you know, I think about sometimes, I know that we don't have to live this way now. We used to. It used to when we had limited money. We went to the grocery store. We didn't look at the ice cream aisle or the cookie aisle. We didn't look at the, at the pop aisle with the pop that's out here. It's called soda. I got, I still can't get over that. 54 years it was pop. That's how it was when I came out here. 54 years old. It was always pop back in Indiana, but here it's soda. Still can't say that yet. It hadn't caught on. But anyway, we never had those things as our number one priority. If we had a little bit of money to go to the store and she had a shopping list, she had at the top of it things like this. Milk, bread, meat, vegetables, like that. She didn't have at the top ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, Oreos, 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 pop, 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 potato chips, all kinds of junk food you didn't need. She had seeky first. The meat aisle. Seek ye first vegetables. Seek ye first milk. It wasn't get all the junk first. And by the way, if there's any money left, we'll get some meat and vegetables this week too. That's how Christians live their Christian life concerning their church attendance and their church services. Well, seek ye first soccer tonight. Football the next night. Got basketball on Saturday. Then we got this club, got this event. Oh, then we got three birthday parties to go to this week. And all these other things. And then this, and by the way, if there's time, if there's time, God will bless you. We'll stick our heads in for a few minutes. But make, make sure you tell the pastor you gotta leave early. We're talking about everyday Christian life for too many Christians. Then they wonder, how come God didn't do anything? Well, he said, put me on the top of your shopping list, number one. Put me up here. And then, if you got time for the extracurricular, do that. But God said, just give me some of your time. Just do something. Make the effort to reach out my way. Can you see that, what he's saying? He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Remember verse 32. For your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. God knows. Jesus knows that your kids need education. Jesus knows 
that you need some R&R time. He knows you need a better car. He knows they need new shoes. He knows all these things you have need of. He said, your father knows this, but he said, but put first following God. Put first serving God. And all these things be added to you. And I want to tell you, to me, you know, it's, it's hard to understand other people sometimes because we've all got our personalities, etc., etc. But me being raised in such a serious heathen family, you know, my family on both sides was bootleggers, uh, mafia-type people, gangsters, bad people, stuff like that. It was such a different thing when at 28 and a half years old I met Jesus that I've never known anything except trusting. That's all I've ever known because I remember what life was like. I remember how much we didn't win. But I lived that way. So when I found out Jesus was real, you know, tithe, give, serve, read the Bible, go to church, help other people. I did not want to go back to that other losing lifestyle. And so all those things I talk about are called putting God first. Putting God first. I've never, ever, ever, I've never, ever, one time, tried to figure out on paper if I could afford to do what God told me to do. Amen. I've never tried to figure it out. I remember back in those trucking days when I was first saved that hit, our company, what I was talking about, I got laid off with after all those years, had lots of guys laid off, and I remember I had this boss that, he by he was by no no means a Christian guy. I mean, we used to drink beer together, and all, I mean, you know, we lots of stuff. Just a a booze a booze and guy. But the 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 doc laid off about everybody, and just me and one truck driver worked on Wednesday nights. And I remember time and time again, out of the blue, and I wasn't due to get off till I've come in at noon. I think we got off at eight thirty nine o'clock. I remember time and time again, this center boss would come up to me on a Wednesday night, and he'd just say, uh, "Bernie." Uh, if you want to, you can go to church. Don't you like to go to church on Wednesdays? I said, well, yeah, I'll thanks. He said, we'll cover it for you. Just go, go to church. <laughs> well, the only shift I could get was working that shift. But the Holy Spirit moved on a center boss to tell me, I'll add this church service to you. Just go to church. We'll take care of your card. Oh, <laughs> Sal, yeah, I'd like to go to church. Like that. And so I'm just telling you, you try to figure out if you could afford to serve God, try to work in your mind and you try to do it your way. Like Pastor Dave said the other day, since when are you God of your life? Since when could you do a better job managing your life than God can? You don't try to figure it out. You just do what Jesus says to do. Amen. You do what Jesus said to do. And since your father knows you have need of all these things, and so you just need to make the quality decision of Matthew 6.33. Serving God is always number one on your list to do. Serving God is always number one on your list to do. And you know, I, I want to say this. I know by experience in life, Raising kids, having bills and having needs. Sometimes there's seasons where you're squeezed, where you can't do what you want to do about your church life. 
God knows your heart where you are right then. You pray, you use your faith, you tough it out, you make it through, and believe God that He's going to change your shift. Believe God He's going to change your hours. Believe God He's going to change something to get back where you want to do. But the whole thing is, all the time, you don't let that mentality get in you that you can't be a Christian, go to church and serve God because life won't let you. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. And so sometimes we're in a bad place. You don't get condemned if you have to miss some church services because you do other things. But all the time, you're believing God. You're confessing. You're praising God. You're thanking God. He's turning things around. He's changing things. You're telling the Lord, Lord, I don't want to do this, but I have to do this right now. But I just want to thank you, Father, for either changing these hours or get me a better job where I can go to church and serve God and take my family. You see what I'm saying? See, that's a pretty bold step that I took back in 1985. That's me who I am. That's where I was. And so to me, it was a no-brainer. I was all the way sold out to Jesus a hundredfold from the day I got saved. And I knew there's no way that I'm going to get still from doing what I know I'm supposed to do for God. But everybody's not there. And so you got to be knowing that the main thing is you don't change your thinking about God's Word because of a hard time you're going through right now. You use your faith in God to change what you're looking at to how it's supposed to be. Amen? Amen. Does that make sense to you? you got to do what you need to do, but all the time believe in God to change it. And so you make the quality decision that God is number one on your list of priorities in life. And so how can you put serving God number one priority in your life? Go over about a page to the left of chapter 5, verse 16. How you can put God number one as your priority. It says this, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so let your light so shine before men means this. You're living a sanctified, holy Christian life, and they can see that you're different. Your light's shining and making Jesus look good, but you for, for refuse to participate in the sin going on around you. Uh, write this verse down, Second Corinthians 6, verse 17 and 18. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18, write this down. It says, come out from among them. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and you'll be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. And so I think about my truck driving days. I mean, back in those days, like I said, I, you know, I sinned good, I was a sinner. And so when the guys had the dirty pictures, I looked at them, had my own dirty pictures, I'd show you get out of the bag, just a nasty sinner life. After I got born again, and whenever I'd see the guys all huddled together, hey, come over here and look at this. I knew what it was going to be. I didn't have to look at that. I just said, no, I don't look at that anymore. I don't do that anymore. Was at the family gatherings and they bring out the booze. Hey, come on, just drink one. You can drink one. I said, no, I don't drink it anymore. I don't live that way anymore. Let your light so shine before men. <coughs> see, the world... Is so dark around you. People are so lost in their sin that all it takes is one Christian that's not preaching to them, just living different. And you stick out like a healed thumb. 
Amen. That and see, that's not preaching. That's just living. Oh, oh, you're too you're you're too good to drink with us. No, I'm not too good to drink with you. I just don't do it anymore. You know, it never got me anywhere. All it ever got me is trouble. Cost me so much. I love Jesus now, and so I don't drink anymore. That's all. Well, you could dim it us. No, you guys drink all you want to. I just don't do it. You know, if you want to drink, drink. I'm not telling you not to drink. Just do what you want to do. I'm just saying, for me, I don't. And I tell you, just the fact of one Christian at a gathering saying no speaks volumes. And then what I always found out, that's letting your light shine before men just living for Jesus, not because you're trying to force somebody else to do something, because you're convicted in your heart. I belong to God now, and I don't need that anymore. I don't want that, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, I think about the times we've been in somebody's house, and all of a sudden they bring out the movie to them. See, sinners don't realize that uh, most every show they got has wrong sex in every show. Something going on in every show that's very, very wrong. They don't know what adultery is. They don't know what fornication is. They don't know what sexual sin is. But every show is so laced with it. You're in their, their house and they start showing some movie that uh, to them is mild. There's nothing. But to you, you're convicted in your heart. I can't watch this. That's a sin to God. That violates what I believe. And so you don't say anything. You just get up and walk out of the room. Then all of a sudden they notice you're not there. Oh, you come over to visit, but you don't want to visit? Well, what can you say? Yeah, I came to visit, not to watch that. Oh, you're condemning what we watch now. I said, I didn't say a word. Oh, I just left the room. Well, say you're not preaching to them. Your light is shining. And Jesus said, the light exposes the darkness. And so just by us living our life, not being religious phonies, living our life, he said, let your light so shine. And so that's what he means. And that's putting the kingdom of God first. When you're so full of light that you know what to do, what not to do. And so anyway, it means you're living a sanctified, holy Christian life that they may see your good works. That means you're more than a church attender, but you actually serve God by serving others. That they may see your good works. Didn't say that they may see that you go to church. He said they may see your good works. That means you do something. You're not just, you're not just be a Christian, but you're an active Christian. You don't just get stars, stars in the notebooks. So you get a free Bible at the end of the year. Amen. He says that they may see your good works. And so you're more than a church attender. You serve God by serving others. And that's not just talking about a church. You need to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verses 4 through 8 in the Amplified Bible on a frequent basis. I was reading, I was reading that again this morning. First Corinthians 13 says, love endures long and is patient and kind. Love takes no account of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Love is ever ready to be the best of every person. So that means that's more than just working in the church, which you should work in the church, but that means your everyday life that you realize that I'm representing Jesus on the job. I'm representing Jesus in my neighborhood. I'm representing Jesus in the grocery store. I'm representing Jesus everywhere I go where people see you 
and they see how you act, they all back and say, wow, that Robin must be a Christian. She's got to be a Christian by the way she acts because we see how she treats others. We see what she does with people's life. They look at Gus and say, man, that, that Gus, he's got to be a Christian because I see how he lives. See the good works and the things he does to help people. Amen. And then it says, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So when you live right and you do right, Jesus said it glorifies your Father in heaven. And that's seeking first the kingdom of God by doing right. So when people experience God's love through you, it causes them to want to know Him too. When they experience the love of God through you, and you know what that's called then? That's called seeking first the kingdom of God. It's not called it being a good church member. It's called being a good Christian to the best of your ability all the time. So Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. We'll be closing up here. Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25. This is so important because we're talking about how to serve God better. How to be a better servant of God to put his kingdom first. Hebrews 10, 24 says this. And let us consider one another to provoke. Well, if it stopped right there, most Christians would win because they're always provoking somebody. But he said, no, he said, provoke unto love and to good works. You're not going to be able to provoke your fellow Christian if you're not around fellow Christians. Amen. It says, now here's our, here's our, here's our verse. <clears throat> King James says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another. But exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. And that's our theme verse. We quoted it a while ago. Now let's quote this again together. Now this is talking about how to get you in position to put God number one on your priorities in life. Say this with me. Say Hebrews 10.25 let us not neglect our church meeting, as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back is drawing near. And so, for your light to shine bright and to have the faith and energy to serve God faithfully, you must schedule your life around church attendance, special services, small groups, because that's the only way, that's the only way you're going to have the faith, you're going to have the feel for your Christian fire to be able to have your light burn bright everywhere you go. you got to get to the place to where you schedule your life around getting out of the Word of God, fellowship of Christians, and I've got to throw this in for something to think about. I've never heard of anybody overdosing on the Word. I've never heard of anybody, anybody having so much of God that it got them in trouble. Think about this. When you come to church, do you get more faith or less faith? When you come to church, you get more anointing or less anointing? More joy or less joy? More peace or less peace? 
So why would you want to stay away from church every chance you get? Think about this. Just this year, make yourself a commitment between you and God, between you and Jesus. Just say, Lord, I'm just talking about you and your own private prayer. I say, Lord, and whatever, whatever your habit was for the past season, the last year, if it was twice a month, say, Lord, I'm going to double that. I'm going to go four times a month. If it was a Sunday morning Christian, say, Lord, I'm going to add at least one service a week this year. I'm going to start going Sunday night or Wednesday night, hopefully all three. But, Lord, I'm going to start going more because I want more faith. I want more joy. I want more anointing. I want to put you first because you said put you first and you'll add everything I need. So, Lord, I'm not just doing this to get things from you. I'm doing it because I love you. I want to thank you one of the benefits is you said you'll give me everything I need. I want somebody to show up in my house, Jesus, and give me Christmas. Lord, I want somebody to come into my house and give me $100 bills so I can bless somebody. Lord, I want these things to happen. And so, Lord, I know you're no respecter of persons. If you did this for my pastor, you didn't do that because he's a preacher, because he follows you, then, Lord, I know you'll do it in my house, too. I want to put you first. Because I want my light to shine brighter this year. I want people to see me and know that you're real because how you live in me, Lord. That's what I want. Amen. Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. Amen. Stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 